0: Gracious Father in Heaven, we come before you on this second midweek Advent worship service to remember your promises to Abraham and subsequently to us. Lord, remind us in the midst of this world in which we live that we are but strangers here and that heaven is our home. Be with us this evening on our journey to a manger. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we examined Jesus, son of David, in that long line of descendants that comes to us out of the genealogy of Matthew And of course, a genealogy that goes all the way back to the time of Abraham and even before him, to Adam. And so this evening we focus on the son of Abraham. In our Old Testament lesson this evening, we heard part of the story of Abraham from that 12th chapter of Genesis where God comes to him. And this isn't the first time that God has come to him. Because you see, when God first came to Abraham, and at that time he was known as Abram, he was living in the land of the Chaldeans in a city called Ur. And God told him to take his possessions and his family and to leave there and to go to the place that God would show him. Can you imagine? You have a pretty successful life where you're at and God tells you to pull up your roots and everything and to go. And you got to remember that Abraham at the time is living in a culture that doesn't know this God. They were worshiping all sorts of gods and goddesses. And yet this God, this Yahweh, as we later learn his name, comes to Abram and picks him out of all of these people and determines that Abraham is going to be the father, if you will, uh, the foundation for his plan of salvation. Abram leaves Ur. He travels north and he stops at the top of what we know as the Fertile Crescent in a place called Haran. And there he stays for a while where he has family and relatives. And then in the 12th chapter of Genesis, God comes to him once again and not only tells him to keep going, but unfolds more of his promises to Abraham. And we see those promises. I will make you into a great nation. Now, understand when God comes to him in the 12th chapter, that Abraham, Abram by name at this point, is 75 years old. And his wife, Sarai, is not much younger. And he has no offspring, no children. That's why he's bringing his nephew, Lot, along. It's Lot who stands to inherit the wealth of Abraham. He has to be wondering when he hears these words from God. And then there's that promise I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And him who curses you, I will curse. And those who bless you, I will bless. And you will be a blessing to all of the, the families of the earth. It's a lot of promises. Yet Abraham is growing in his faith. And we want to say at this point that, you see, uh, he trusts God. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle for Abram, you see, because as time goes on and he continues to age and his wife Sarai continues to age, there are still no children. They travel to Egypt for a while. After God has shown him the land that he's going to inherit, they go down to Egypt, and again there, Abram doesn't really trust that things are going to unfold right. He tries to pass his wife, Sarai, off as his sister. It's not pleasing to God. He goes back to the land that he's going to inherit, that land of Canaan, and, and there, he's still not quite sure. They haven't had any children, and Sarai comes to him and says, Well... Maybe God meant it this way. Why don't you take my, my handmaiden, Hagar, and, and have a child by her? And so he does. Again, that, that lack of faith in trying to understand what, what God is saying here. He has a son named Ishmael. And yet that's not the son that God intended to fulfill his promises through. God finally comes back to Abram when he is 99 years old, 24 years later. He says to Abram, I am going to take care of my promise to you. I'm going to change your name. It's no longer going to be Abram, which simply means father. I'm going to change it to Abraham, which is the father of many. And I'm going to come back next year at this time. And by the way, I'm changing Sarai's name too to Sarah. And she's going to conceive and she's going to bear a son. Sarah's eavesdropping and she laughs a little bit, thinking, Am I going to have this pleasure even in my old age? And God says, Why is Sarah laughing? It's going to happen the way I say it's going to happen. And indeed, God comes back a year later and Sarah has a son, and they had named him Isaac, which means laughter, because Sarah laughed at God's promises. We could pick picket Abraham for his lack of trust and his lack of faith, but we haven't walked in his shoes exactly. We have walked in our own shoes and which one of us hasn't doubted the promises of God to us in our moments of weakness. You take a look at the promises that God gives to to Abraham and even the Jewish people at the time of Jesus don't fully understand. They're having that dialogue with Jesus in our third reading this evening from the Gospel of John and they're trying to pick Jesus apart and they're accusing him of being a Samaritan and being possessed with a demon and and he says, says, I don't seek my own glory. I honor my Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will, he will never see death. How many times do we doubt that promise of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ? Because he's not talking about the, the promised land in this world. He's talking about the promised land of eternity for us, that we, even though we draw our last breath in this world, we draw our very next breath in the eternity of his presence in heaven, the true promised land. The Jews of the time don't understand it. They're listening to his words and saying, Now we know you have a demon, because Abraham died, the prophets died. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. But you, you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, and here's the very pointed kind of knife between the ribs as Jesus uh, uh, pokes at them. He says, I, if I lied about this, I'd be a liar just like you. You deny the truth of who I am right to my face. I do know him, And I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And what day is that? The day that he was born into this world. The day that he embraced humanity. The day that he wore the mantle Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. The Jews said to him... (laughs) You're not that 50 years old, and yet you've seen Abraham. And again, if you know the scriptures fairly well, you know that the answer that Jesus gives here, again, is a very pointed one. Because, you see, Jesus puts it this way. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, Yahweh. I am in those very words the savior claims to be exactly who we know he is the son of God the living God we forget that that this this son of man this son of God is an offspring of Abraham and yet even before he was born into our world he was And Abraham saw him face to face. And Abraham knew his promises. For indeed, God did bless him. And God made him the father of many nations. And God blessed those who blessed him. Just look at Melchizedek and his interaction with with Abraham. And God cursed those who cursed Abraham. And God gave him the land for his inheritance and to his offspring. And not only the land of Canaan, but the promised land, heaven. The author of the letter to the Hebrews Reminds us that it was, it was Abraham who prayed by faith. It was Isaac and Jacob who likewise, heirs of the same promise, lived by faith. It was by faith that Sarah herself received that power from God to conceive even in the moments of doubt she still somehow knew those promises. And they all died in that faith, not having received the fullness of that promise yet, but having seen and greeted them from afar. They recognized that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. But they knew that God desired for them a better country, a greater, a higher promised land. Therefore, God is not ashamed be called their God, for he prepared for them a city, not simply here on earth, but in heaven. As we prepare to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we remember his eternal presence in creation and in our world. And we remember that he stepped into humanity to pay the price for our sins and to suffer and die in our place so that the promised land of heaven is open to all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to all who call upon his name. That's important for us to remember in this time in the world that we face. A world that mocks him, a world that despises him, a world that thinks it's better off without him. A world that grabs the soil of the earth and thinks that's all there is. But we know better. We know the promises that God gives to us as His children. Promises that hold us up in difficult and challenging times. Promises that grab a hold of us as we face illness and disease and pandemic and economic hardship. Promises that one day we too shall stand before the great I am. And know his truth in our hearts. And know that he carries us even through the moments of our doubt and our, and our struggles. To live with him forever. In a place that we call home. I'm but a stranger here. And so are you. Because heaven is our true home. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all of our human understanding keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.